episode two of My Boyfriend is a Podcast. I'm Charles, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Nick. Hello, I'm Nick. And we're covering the mid-80s animated children's television show, Robotech. Alright, this week we are on to episodes three, four, and five, and we begin with episode three, which was entitled Spacefold. Nick, what did you think of this episode? Um, this episode's a little bit of a filler, isn't it? But it sets the scene for the next two. Definitely. I like this one far more than the next one. And we talked about uh, the show in general previously after last week, and we didn't really talk about whether we enjoyed the show. We just kind of made fun of it for humorous purposes. And I will say that I did enjoy this episode. There was nothing terrible in it, but it's not my favorite so far. It's it's all right. Um, There is, we do actually finally cover the first great episode of Macross, uh, this, this podcast episode, but um, episode four, is maybe the worst episode, but the most important for character development, I guess. I agree. I uh, when We'll cover it when we get to the episode, but I not enough happens in episode four for me to like it, and it has a lot of bad things in it as well, so it's a bit of a, bit of a twofer in that regard. It, it kind of sucks. So let's do episode three, though. All right, well, we start with a really funny narrator moment where the narrator tells us that Roy thinks that Rick might be in trouble. Now, we know this because Rick is clearly in a state of catatonic shock, so he's quite quite an observant man, that Roy. Roy then calls up the bridge and goes, I've got to go back for my friend. And then uh, Lisa, uh, the controller on the bridge, tells him that uh, Rick, is a, Rick is an imposter. He's not a real fighter pilot. And Roy explains that uh, he's a civilian and the entire bridge has a complete meltdown because they can't understand how what kind of comedic way that a, a civilian pilot could end up in a fighter jet. In the distant future, there is no security around air bases. You can just sort of waltz into a million-dollar fighter jet because your friend invited you. <laughs> That's exactly right. So back on Earth, we have Rick sitting in his fighter plane, and he looks like he's awoken from a very deep sleep, and he tries to take his plane over, but the plane trips over because it's in that weird plane robot form because the giant alien that Roy shot at the end of last episode is holding on to the robot's leg, which is a kind of cool kind of visual. Roy then turns up and uh, laughs at the horror of a dead alien holding onto its leg. And uh, Roy detaches the cockpit of Rick and Minmay in their fighter jet and it has it like an, a, uh, an aircraft handbag or an a- aircraft doodle if you have a distil- distil- disturbing mind like me. And they make a, a dramatic escape and the plane shoots off into the sky. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's, that's an accurate retelling of the events that happened at the start of this episode. Convenient, uh, convenient feature, the whole removable cockpit. Yeah, so far, and correct me if I'm wrong, it appears that these planes can do anything that the plot demands them to do. Well, that's, that's what very tech technology is. <laughs> exactly. That is the essence of Veritech. Um, on the bridge, the command crew sit there and they wonder why the Zentradi uh, attacked and then stopped. And the captain wonders what the reason is and whether they're just playing with them. Is this, uh, is this, this is when the turrets light them up, right? The enemy alien battleship shoot at them, yeah? Uh, maybe? I'm pretty sure it is. Height of professionalism. But um, something I noticed <laughs> is that the, uh, the turrets on the Zentradi ships look a lot like um, the sword out of Halo. Sure. It's like a ball and then it's got two t- uh, curvy, pointy rails, I guess. And I wonder if that was an inspiration because it's definitely a design I've seen in a lot of sci-fi. Yeah, I, uh, I know exactly what you mean. Um, it, it makes me wonder whether or not that a lot of these things, like what came first is what, what I wonder because it, it all seems so familiar, a lot of this. Yeah. 
like how old are some of these tropes and which ones start here? Because there are definitely definitely some tropes that start here. For example, it is famously referred to as Macross Missile Spam because SDF Macross was one of the first animes to just hover the screen in missiles. Ah, no, I remember that as a kid. Yeah, that, that made quite the lasting impression on a young me. Yeah, and it's become a staple of anime ever since. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I always worry with these things because I have seen such a small slice of these kind of materials. I, I don't want to be like claim that something invented something when it turns out it's been like a, a trope for years and years and years. Yeah, well, you know, Robotech is old, therefore it's the source of all tropes. <laughs> Can't argue with that logic. Uh, meanwhile, back in the atmosphere, Rick and Roy are arguing about whether or not to go back to the ship or go back to the island. Uh, Roy calls up the ship, SDF-1, and Lisa goes to the bridge. Is that our civilian pilot? I wondered why he didn't know how to fly from the plane. And Rick responds with, are you ready with your chauvinist Rick alarm? Hey, Roy, who's that old sourpuss? This is the start of Rick becoming a bit of a Rick the prick. Rick being really a, a son of a bitch, a real goddamn son of a gun. I have, I have a theory that I've been uh, developing about Rick in light of the world of 2018 that we live in that I think I'll slowly reveal over the course of this episode. Rick is an incel? It is Rick is an incel. <laughs> <laughs> the moment you said that, I was like, I got it, I got it. And then because we can't, we can't stop at that, Minbei throws a gas upon the fire and says, and he's in a stage whisper goes, Women her age can get awfully mean, you know. So now we're ageist and sexist. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see uh, Minmaid joining in on the uh, misogyny. Joining in on the fun. Uh, back on the Zentrider ship, we have Britai and his friend Exidor, whose names I had to look up. Do they actually get their names introduced? Uh, I don't think so. Well, it's Britai and Exidor. Britai is the big tall guy with a half metal face and Exidor is his short little friend. Nice. And I think I mentioned last episode, I, I dig these guys a lot. I think they're, they're entertaining as villains and a lot of their, their purpose in the show is to explain what they're going to do. And despite that, they're still a, a, like a lot of fun to, to be around. I think like the voice acting is really great with these two especially. Yeah, they've got that, that classic, uh, you know, what do you call it, sports commentary thing of the, the two and the one who explains it and the one who's the <laughs> So you've got the colour man and the play-by-play guy. That's, that's the one, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Uh, so they explain that um, they don't want to damage the, sh- the ship, they just want to attack and destroy it. They, well, okay, that doesn't make sense. They don't want to just damage the ship, they just want to capture it, which is why they don't, like, all-out assault it. Um, and having said that they don't want to destroy the ship, they announce that they're going to uh, perform a giant, massive laser bombardment. Ah, uh, by the way, this is where I, was, I saw the cool turrets. It's not... Oh, uh, okay, Sure. I was like, man, I really don't remember this episode. I was like, paying attention. Uh, back on the ship, uh, Roy and Rick are driving through the belly of the ship in a uh, in what appears to be like a World War II jeep. And, uh, yeah, I mean, why not? You know, you've got to reference something. And, uh, that, you know, Rick, Roy drives in there and it turns out that he's salvaged Roy's stupid little stunt plane from the first episode. Oh, so um, the jeep is probably because I don't think the Humvee had been rolled out in the 80s. So that was just the military oh, transport okay. of choice. It was still the old Willie's Jeep in whatever form it was. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That really does. It's, it's strange that they have robots that turn into planes, but not robots that turn into Jeeps. Think well, maybe Veritech means that the Willie's Jeep doesn't roll over when you put too many machine guns on top of it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Roy says, and this is important, I feel, 
You two stay here. If you go exploring, you'll get lost and you can't imagine how large the ship is. Oh man, I did not notice this foreshadowing. <laughs> Never a true word hath been spoke by anybody in any TV show ever. Uh, back on the sh- back on the uh, Zentrana ship, Britai orders the laser bombardment because the plot has to advance. Uh, back on the bridge of the SDF-1, the captain decides that they're going to engage a risky space fold, which is like, as far as I understand, it's like a science uh, hyperspace. It's one of the ways that if you want to travel faster than light, you kind of imagine a way it's like this or, wor- or wormholes or faster than light travel. This is like one of the ways that they do it, right? Yeah, so if you imagine that the solar system is your enormous beer gut and you're at the top of your beer gut and you want to get to the bottom of your beer gut quickly, you go in for a tummy tuck, your belly is now smaller <laughs> and you travel less distance. <laughs> exactly, that's perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, and speaking of uh, anime tropes, the bridge crew, immediately upon hearing this, do the thing that all anime bridge, tru- uh, anime bridge crews or command crews do where they plead how impossible it is the thing that they're about to do. And at this point, I'd also like to point out that um, I really like the uniforms of the people in the show. Did we talk about this last week? Um, no, but there are some more and cooler uniforms in this episode. So, yeah, the bridge crew have cool uniforms. But which is that the the uniforms you're referring to? Yeah, and I mean this in not in terms of, of like, uh, like uh, I, I fetishize Nazi uniforms because they were done by Hugo Boss, but in terms of they're all uniform because they're uniforms. But each character or each major character has got a different colour scheme, which allows you to help recognise who they are and stand out. Yeah, uh, the character design is outstandingly good. And I think that's possibly the reason that Claudia is black. Yeah, that's that's another thing too. I mean, obviously diversity is good, but it's it's useful when characters just all are visually distinct from one another. Yeah, it makes it really easy to work out who is who. And her, and her colour scheme, she's got like, obviously... She's got her, her, her skin tone matches really well with the dark green with gold trim. Looks awesome. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I just like no, the color no, scheme. That's, that's a good look, <laughs> but you know. Anyway, back inside the belly of the SDF-1, Rick, who is smart and definitely not stupid, decides that he will fly his airplane away from the ship. Midway says, the ship is too small. Will it fit two people? And Rick responds, if they're friendly, they it will. Oh, yeah, they... this is just... It's just like, come on, dude. Really? So they're alleged, they're trying to take Minmay home at this point, if if I recall correctly. The SDF does its space warping thing, and in a sudden twist of fate, not only does it space warp itself, but it brings Rick in his plane, who's outside the ship, having taken off, which I should have mentioned at this point. He's definitely in space right now. Well, sorry, he's not in space. So he flies off the uh, the SDF Macross. Yep. To to go back to Macross Island. Yep. The SDF Macross initiates. The space fold, and then Rick finds himself not flying over Macross Island, but in space. Yeah, but also in space. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. So like the, the spaceship not only takes itself, it takes everything around it with it. Which is, I mean, as a way to get everybody on board the ship into outer space when it wouldn't make sense for them to be there, it's actually kind of cool, and I do like. Oh yeah, no, it's it's reasonably. Fair. It makes conceptual sense, and there's a cool, visually interesting shot of the ship and the whole perfect sphere around it suddenly appearing in space, freezing over and shattering. Which looks yeah, that awesome. is that is actually really cool. And um, everybody apparently survives this, even though it doesn't make any sense that they're bunk. Would their bunkers that all the people in on the island would they would it be airtight? Yeah, yeah. Um, any decent bunkers in the distant future, the year two thousand, 
would have uh would be airtight because of chemical weaponry attacks. So it's reasonable to assume that actually they could survive in the bunkers for some very limited period. What doesn't make sense is that Rick happily flies around in his <laughs> air-breathing plane in space, which now conveniently has rocket engines. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we also get a, a um, we cut to Britai on his Zentrida ship, and he is completely he is shook by the idea of them space folding, which is funny. I just imagine that he thinks that they're like monkeys driving a car. Like you'd, you're surprised when they manage to change gear or something. Well, he's also confused because you're not supposed to be able to space fold that close to a planet, presumably oh. because the Zentradis have flight restrictions like, please do not take the airport with you when you depart. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, Minmay, because she's terrible in some respects, says, isn't this romantic as they fly through outer space? It is very romantic. Um, it would be difficult to fly a plane with a girl sitting on your lap because you have to operate the pedals, but ah. worth it anyway. <laughs> so they are Im- improbably, we'll say, improbably flying around in space with their convenient rocket engine. And then a uh, Zentradi battle pl- uh, pod comes flying in and crashes into the side of the ship and makes a plot-sized hole, and luckily they can fly their, their little plane inside the ship. But now, instead of being somewhere where Roy knows where they are, they are completely lost in the middle of the ship, and then they laugh about it. Space, Hulk, space, Hulk, space, Hulk. <laughs> Um, back on the bridge, they start rescuing hostages, and it turns out they've jumped to Pluto. I can't remember, do they want to go to Pluto, or do they just happen to end up at Pluto? Oh, they ended up at the planet Pluto, because the bridge crew are like, THE PLANET PLUTO! <laughs> what you say? Which also hilariously dates the show, in hindsight. Yeah, I was going to... You beat me to it! I was going to say, it's not a planet! It's not a planet! God damn it, you beat me! I can't believe I got it's beaten fine. on that... You can you can edit edit out my joke and make your joke if you like. I'll edit out so so I'm the first one to nab the uh, the Pluto gag. Um, <laughs> and then I was going to say that this also dates it, but I reckon they probably do still use this kind of form of communication. The captain gets a call on his telephone, but I think they maybe still would use telephones on ships. Maybe they do. Okay, well then that I'm wrong, but I will say that telephone looks like something my dad had when I was a child. It's like one of those. You know when they had, like, those dial telephones where you put your finger in the loop and you'd spin it around? The rotary phone, The yeah. rotary phone. The first model of digital phones, when they hadn't worked out, you could change the form of the phone and they just placed the numbers on the front where the dial was. It looks exactly like that. Nice. Um, anyway, he gets a call on this telephone and it turns out that the space fold system has vanished. Oh, no. And then sad music plays and that's the end of the episode. Uh, it's it's kind of a hokey way to make it so they can't just teleport again across the universe, but it works for me. Oh, yeah. I do kind of wish there was a hilarious scene where you saw a big hole in the ocean rushing with water and a single bit of spacey technology that just sort of appears <laughs> in the middle and falls down. And, and also you have to have the Jurassic Park thing where there's just like a guy on the <laughs> toilet and he's sort of looking around and he's in the middle of the ocean with his pants down. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that was like, th- there's a lot going on in this episode. Um, so it's not, it's not the best, but it- it's okay. Like it- Oh, it's good. It- the only reason I think this episode suffered is because there's a lot of scenes of people talking. The uh, animation was sort of ho-hum and there's a lot of people's faces that look kind of melted this episode. Episode four, the long wait. Um, conceptually, it's okay. The idea is that they're going to get stuck in the, in the spaceship and explore around. The problem is that, what ends up happening is you get a bunch of really weird kind of like 
gender a sort of gender based role assignment and a lot of weird a girl can only dream about getting married and yeah basically this is an interesting choice by the scriptwriters to make you hate both leads yeah it's i mean it's possible that maybe in the 80s this wasn't so frowned upon and it made a little bit more sense but in the in the cold light of 2018 this episode is kind of like everything you imagine is wrong about your childhood entertainment is in this episode yeah, this one is, uh, oh, I forgot. This is it. This is the official anime shower scene. So if you're waiting to turn this shit off because all anime is for uh, terrible scumbags, uh, this is your. This is the part where you go, aha, I was right. You're all sexual deviants and you should all go to jail. <laughs> and the best part about this episode is I watched it and I was like, well, this sucks. And then I rewatched it to take notes for this episode and I was like, no, man, this really sucks. It's somehow worse on repeat viewing. Uh, I remember when I watched this the first time as SDF Macross, but uh, years ago, finding Min Mei to be intolerable. And on a rewatch, probably because I'm less of a shitty person, I found Rick intolerable and Min Mei simply kind of annoying. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think I mentioned it earlier on. It's like when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, Rick, I totally understand it. Girls are confusing. <laughs> but now when I watch it, I'm like, God damn, Rick, you just got to grow up, get some perspective and not be a sexist period 80s piece. There's also multiple items in this episode. So, okay, sorry, just to sort of explain the episode, they're lost in the, bo- in the belly of the ship and they have to do things to survive. That is literally the entire plot of the episode. <laughs> that's, that's literally it. Um, okay, first strike. We're going to keep we're gonna keep a tally of every time that, that this show does something wrong with Minmay. I think I've got a good tally too of every time Minmay has a good idea and every time Rick has a bad idea. Okay, you keep that tally. I'll keep this tally. First off... Rick and Minmay are inside the SDF in their ship uh, with their plane. Rick is doing something, and Minmay suggests, let's use the radio. And unfortunately, it's broken. And then Rick says, don't worry. It's something like, don't worry, I have a compass. And then Minmay says, doesn't the compass have two points? So I think the gag here is that Minmay is too stupid to know the difference between a compass that you find directions and a compass slash protractor. Yeah, but of course, you know, Rick immediately goes, huh, what an idiot, even though he didn't think to use the radio in his plane to call for help, and Minmay did. Exactly. So that's that's number one for both counts of the show doing something stupid. They wander around the ship, and then Roy is one of my favourite characters from this entire show from my childhood, and this is the only black mark so far. Roy is worried about Rick going missing, Roy goes, can I go look for him? The captain says no. And then in a heavily sarcastic voice, uh, Roy goes, I'm sure 70,000 civilians are more important than my friend. Yeah, I don't know what point he was trying to make there because the answer is just, uh, yes. So they're wandering around the ship and they find a giant airlock inside the spaceship. And I don't know why I put that. That's irrelevant. Oh, no, they do go out the space. The space okay, they go out the airlock later on. That makes sense. They look out the window and there's all this junk in space from what they've taken. Oh man, them. you've skipped all the way to the tuna fish scene. Is there, is there literally anything between them? Yeah, there's this really funny one where, okay, they're like, oh, what are we going to drink? And uh, Minmay touches a hot pipe accidentally and he's like, oh, you're such an idiot. And then he goes, oh, you know, it's a much better idea. I will pry this mystery coolant pipe from the wall. And then conveniently water comes out of it and they drink that. Now, if you ever find yourself trapped in the belly of a space hulk uh, and you see that there are pipes and there's water condensation on the outside, that does not mean 
that whatever is on the inside is water. Do not break a mystery reactor's cooling system <laughs> and drink the cooling fluid. <laughs> terribly, it, only by luck is it not like hot acid or something. Exactly. Only by luck is it not that green shit you put in your car. <laughs> uh, also, there's a scene on the bridge where they serve coffee and then they all leave their post, which is not how it gets done in any form of um, transport. It's like, you know, when you're on a plane and the pilots get food, one person eats, the other one flies the plane. Not everybody simultaneously leaves their stations and sits down and drinks a cup of coffee. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and then here's this, uh, after that is the scene that you just mentioned because I'm an idiot and I put giant tuna in the wrong part of the recap. Um, oh, man. I mean, to be fair, that's literally the best the best scene in this, in this episode. Uh, I'm going to insert the sound here of Rick... Um, Having an orgasm as he opens the pipe as well. It's harder than I thought. Let me help you. I think it's coming. Hey, hey, look, we got it. It's a geyser. So, as you as you mentioned, they illogically open the pipes to get some water. Mime says, I'm going to have a shower. And then she starts having a shower. The camera clearly objectifies her. Uh, this, is a, this is a good time to remind everyone that even if the cooling fluid is water, if it's a nuclear fission reactor, it will be water with horrible radioactive shit in it. So, don't shower in it or drink it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have a horribly, like, male-gazy Minmo shower. And remember, Minmo's 15 years old at this point. This is really awkward. So if you've been watching along at home, uh, you're a sex criminal now. Um, go call the police and turn yourself in. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and Rick peeps on her because he's a horny anime lead, I guess. This is a fucking trash bag human who's been belittling her for the last eight hours in spite of her multiple good ideas and also a horn dog. Are you familiar with the television show Ghost in the Shell uh, Standalone Complex? I am, but I haven't watched it for years. I was so completely bored at this point in the episode, I was Googling to see what other shows the voice actors have been in, and it turns out that Minmay is Bato's Tachikoma. Wow. So Bato's Tank is in this this show. Um, All right, there there are what can be charitably called mouse shenanigans, where Minmay thinks that Rick is feeling her up, but it turns out there's a mouse... Then she finds a mouse, and because she's a girl, she is scared. Also, she suggests that they conserve rations, and Rick goes, nah, it'll be fine, and then later on it's, wow, I wish we'd conserve rations. <laughs> turns out we ran out of food. God, he's an idiot. He's always Goku levels of stupid. This is great. The difference is Goku is a likable idiot, and Rick is an incel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, five days pass. I think it's important to note that a long period of time will elapse in this episode. Oh, five days pass, which Minmay tracks by carving uh, carving notches into the side of Rick's very obviously permanently totaled aircraft, and he gets mad <laughs> because she scratched the paint. Because he's such an incel, he gets really upset that his toy gets damaged. Oh, my God. So more time passes and they remember that they are in space and they decide to fly outside the spaceship and then fly back in somewhere else, which I want to shit on this idea, but that's like an anime... That's like a very anime kind of plot thing that people do. If if you think you can do a spacewalk with gaffer tape, then you know what? Just do it. 
And uh, during the course of this spacewalk, well, before they do the spacewalk, they finally see the giant tuna. Do we know why the tuna is so giant? Is that just how big tunas are? No, tunas aren't that big. This is not explained. It's just a giant The more giant I think space about tuna. it, the more I don't understand. There's just a giant tuna. And when I say giant, I mean like the size of a truck. And uh, Rick goes out and tries to, He grabs a couple of weights. Is there a reason for him to grabbing, grabbing weights? Yeah, so what he's doing is because this show lurches between ridiculous child nonsense and hard sci-fi, Rick grabs a bunch of weights and then throws them away in space to propel himself in the opposite direction using Newton's laws of motion. Oh, that's, that's actually kind of cool. It's a weird, a weird dalliance with reality for this show, I guess. Um, so Rick tries to grab the giant tuna. He nearly dies. Unfortunately, he survives. And instead of grabbing the entire tuna, he just severs the head of the tuna and they just end up eating the head, which I guess, fine. It's lucky that uh, Min Mei knows how to make soups because, cool, you got the fish head. Of the fish. Yeah, it's not even a roly-poly fish head. So more time passes, and uh, Minmay's lying there, and then suddenly she feels a song coming along, and then suddenly there's like a band, and like she's singing, and there's the band, and, and the strings, and, and strings. And look, if, if I'm just surprised that Rick didn't ask the band if they knew a way how to get out of here. Well, you know, it's an invisible band. <laughs> yeah, the invisible band. Um, uh, okay, and now here's the second part of this episode that really kind of oh, sucks. Oh, yeah. Minmay says that she fears death, and then she worries that she will never get married. Get married. <sighs> so Rick decides that they will have a pretend wedding. I have written in my notes that this is insanely stupid. Minmay starts getting uh, her morale starts to drop, and then she worries that she'll never get kissed. She's trapped in the belly of a space hulk with this incel creeper who only belittles her good ideas and keeps doing insanely dangerous, stupid shit for no reason. Yep. And now he's creepily suggesting, hey, we could get married. We and could she's get like, married. You know what? Fine, let's do it. And so uh, just as they're about to kiss, a construction machine crashes through the roof of the episode and we're saved. I mean, sorry, they're saved. Sorry, they're saved, not us. We're still uh, in hell. Yeah. Um, they, they find, they get pulled up out of there and they find that they have transported or reconstructed this city that was dragged into space inside the spaceship. Uh, Jason, the most valuable player from the first episode, comes running out and is like, yay, Minmay's back. Uh, Rick gets slapped on the back and collapses out of exhaustion. And then the narrator tells us that he is confused. He's really mad because Minmay is uh, very happy to see a family again and he takes this as she doesn't love him anymore. It's, oh, this is, this is so bad. This episode was really bad. This is bad. Bad episode. Did not like. So this episode establishes that Minmay is actually clever, which they mentioned in the first episode, and Rick is an awful incel misogynist who takes everything Minmay does completely out of proportion in a way that is frankly concerning and yeah I wouldn't I'd be worried about him behind the wheel of any vehicle <laughs> yeah no uh, exactly and now we roll on to episode five transformation which is a very very welcome change of pace it's a solid good 22 minutes of fun this is a good episode it is a good episode and there's actually a lot to, to talk about for a change so the episode uh, the SDF is orbiting Pluto which is not planet god damn it you beat me to that joke already uh, Minmay is cleaning up the restaurant that we saw her in the first episode, and it's down the spaceship. Um, her uncle and aunt come in, and they talk about how they have no food and the rations suck. Uh, Minmay convinces her aunt and uncle that, uh, you know what, they should reopen the restaurant, because why not? 
and has to convince everybody that despite the fact they are in space, which seems to really bother people, like, I don't know, that the restaurant will work. It's like people won't want to eat out when they're in space. It's just like the one problem is that they're in space. They're in space. Yeah, maybe there's some sort of very restrictive um, restaurant licensing laws in the orbit of Pluto that they don't cover in the show. Pluto zoning laws are the worst. Take it from me. So, of course, the absolute second they decide to open this restaurant, it is just filled to the brim with army types. And there's a bunch of uh, fighter pilots here. And for the sake of posterity, I'll note that one of the voice actors for the... um, one of the guys at the the, the, the table that, that's talking to Minmay is going to come up as like a major character in the next couple of episodes. And it also means that we simultaneously have Bato talking to Bato's Tachikoma. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually kind of interesting in that regard. Um, they also make weird sexual innuendo about two children because I think they're, Rick's 16 and she's 15, so it's really awkward that they make sexual jokes about that. Fine, different cultures. Different cultures, uh, different standards. Let's go with that. <laughs> Um, we cut to the captain, and the captain wanders inside the belly of the ship, and we meet Creepy Eyes, who, if you've never seen the show... I mean, why would you be listening to us talk about this show if you've never seen it? But Yeah, I, we've never mentioned this in an introduction, but you're supposed to watch the episodes we're talking about and then listen to the podcast. Otherwise, you have to rely on our summaries, which, God, God help you. Oh, God help you. So I don't know if the animation is wrong, but it, it has, like, white irises and black pupils, or vice versa. Which one is it? It just has fully black eyes, and he's, like, this German engineer guy, so he's... Kind of cool, but yeah, weirdly yeah, it, creepy for no reason. It's really weird. And basically, the, the main purpose here is that we have to establish that in order to fire the main gun, they must transform the spaceship, which is obviously the reason it's called transformation. Bye. I'm, yeah. I'm here for my insight. So they are. <laughs> <laughs> so they, um, they tell us at this point that the, the captain's like, yeah, but transforming will total everyone's nice town that they built inside the ship. And uh, so I'm not going to do it, but the episode is called Transformation, so... It is, yeah, it worked out well. Um, Rick returns to the, you know, the wreck of his completely wrecked spaceship and he, talks, he just thinks about how his feelings are hurt. He's just a young man who's very unhappy. He thinks he's been um, friend-zoned after he left the restaurant when Minmay described him as, oh, we're just friends, and he's really salty about this because he's an incel. And he should be friend-zoned, let's be clear. This, this dude needs to be friend-zoned ASAP. Um, Roy turns up because he's the best character in the show and decides that, well, when I say he's the best character in the show, he prescribes depre- um, exercise as a cure for depression, which I don't know, but I believe that is the most insulting thing a depressed person can get told. Also, Rick has literally spent two weeks... Uh, wandering around the belly of the ship at this point. Yes, yes. Uh, so I think he's had plenty of exercise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Roy tries to convince Rick that he should be a fighter pilot. Um, Rick mopes about Minmay, and then Roy says, girls like that are kind of fickle because gender relations. Now, this is this is a really great moment. We cut back. And she's never, just, just for the record, though, almost to the show's credit, Minmay has never actually been fickle at this point. Everything no. she's done is fully normal human stuff. And the weird thing about this show is I don't, I don't give it the benefit of the doubt because 80s, but at times it feels like we're not meant to agree with these two, that they are just idiots, but I'm not entirely sure. It's up to us, I guess, the viewer yeah, to decide. I, I found that actually it's, it's quite watchable if you're prepared to just accept that the main character and his mate are assholes, which... You know, that's a pretty standard thing in, exactly. in TV even exactly. now. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The, the old anti-hero. 
So we, we cut aboard the uh, Zentradi ship and Brita and Exodor have discovered something deep and dark. The humans are tiny. Hit me with your best Micronian humor right now. Go. Your penis is a Micronian. Oh, no! Yeah, we've been working on that one for weeks. This is the premium content you listen for. So here's my, here's my, here's my Micronian joke. Did you ever wonder if there's like a Zentradi Jerry Seinfeld? What is the deal with Micronian food? The food's just so tiny. How do you get full of food that's just so small? <laughs> uh, Exodor mentions that he found a warning for Zentradi to stay away from all Micronian planets. There is life on Mars or whatever. There's other Micronians out there, I guess. Um, Rick is hanging out with Minmay and discovers that Minmay has been accepted into the Miss Macross competition, which is going to be a, a thing. Um, I don't know if right now he's going to be all upset about her being a female who wants to have her own career, but the warning signs are there. Oh, it was established earlier that she wants to be an entertainer, so this is like straight up a good career move for Minmay at this point. Exactly. I think that the point where um, in the previous episode where she has a song, all of a sudden she talks about wanting to be an entertainer. So because I'm a crappy recapper, uh, this should have been foreshadowed, but because I'm an idiot, it's not. Oh, um, and something else we forgot to recap. When they rescued all the people from the islands, there were two aircraft carriers. They've bolted these aircraft carriers onto the sides of the battlecruiser. Uh, because why not? Yeah, and it makes you... When the... Well, get to it but when it transforms into to a giant robot it looks like a giant robot with arms it makes me wonder if it's just like a t-rex robot fuck i had literally okay well this makes up for pluto because i had literally that joke written down <laughs> yes oh so, wow well, well done we've snooked each other it's, it's perfect it's perfect um so uh, what i love about this show is um it's got like this you know like have you seen like those world war ii films where a lot of the tension is is like the weight the British pilots don't know when the Germans are going to attack. It's like a constant stream of, like, unending assault, right? So it's like a, like a constant rush of, like, you don't know when the enemy is going to attack. It's like the tension is in the weight, right? Yeah. And, and this show kind of captures that, but also if it decides it needs an action scene, someone on the bridge just goes, Captain, there are aliens, and then a fight breaks out. Oh, yeah. Which is, like, a terribly efficient form of, like, getting a fight started. So we cut to the Zentradi ship, and Exodor says... It is strange that they haven't fired their main gun, so they decide to fire at them instead. I don't know what... Are they trying to provoke them firing the main gun here? Or, I don't know, this is unclear. Yeah, this this part only makes less and less sense to the episode, but they're deliberately trying to provoke them into firing the main gun for reasons we don't know yet. Yes, and it gets even funnier. Yeah. So, uh, on the bridge, they take a bunch of shots from the Zentradi, and the captain demands they fire the main main gun, and the entire bridge is like... No, you can't do this! But the captain, he orders the transformation, even though he knew that he shouldn't and said that he wouldn't, but he's going to do it anyway. It's like a single tear runs down his cheek because he knows he's <laughs> going to fuck up all the civilians, but then he does it anyway. And then uh, we cut back to uh, back inside the ship, and, and Rick and Minmay are walking through like the park area, and um, in Neon Genesis, they have the same kind of like uh, like a, a spot where the characters can sit in nature and observe the town below them, and it's a, a similar kind of thing here. Um which I just thought was interesting. I, th- maybe this is like... A, I think a it trope. might be a feature of Japanese geography in that most cities in Japan have parks that look over the city because there are mountains and hills everywhere. Oh, well, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. 
So, <sighs> Minmei guilt trips Rick into joining the Defence Force. To be clear, so this is super weird and definitely looks like weird propaganda where she's like, join the Defence Force because girls love it when you murder people. But <laughs> when I re because that's what I remembered it too, but when I re-watched it, Rick is really upset about the fact that his plane's totaled and he can't fly, which is all he ever wants to do. So yep. it does actually seem like Minmei going, well, if you want to fly with your friend, why don't you fly with your friend in the military, which is the only place you're going to be able to fly with your friend out here? I, I agree 100%. It's like on, on his face, it can seem a bit sinister, but then you think about it, it's like his occupation is pilot and that's the only like organization that's accepting new pilot hires. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, so I, I, don't, I don't mind it. Then... <sighs> I mean, there's definitely elements of Enlist Today, but... Yeah, exactly. It's not quite as bad as I remembered. Exactly. And now, because Rick is an incel, he says, I wish they'd never found us. And Minmay responds, how can you say that? I hate you. Ooh, I hate you! As you can tell from the enthusiasm of you know, that I gave this dialogue, it kind of sucks and it is stupid. Rick is an incel, he's a mope. And poor Minmay is just the victim of his mopiness. Anyway, because dramatic timing, suddenly the ship starts to transform and because it's the show, the ground that they're on splits in two and Minmay nearly falls off the edge and Rick has to save her. It's a really, really um, subtle visual metaphor here where the ground between Rick and Minmay starts splitting. Uh, exactly. Almost as if to symbolise a split in their relationship. <laughs> it's really compelling stuff. And we've spoiled this already, but you'll never guess it. In the show about things turning into robots, the SDF-1 transfers, transforms into a giant space robot. With aircraft carriers for arms. On the, on the bridge, the uh, captain orders they fire the main gun. Claudia says, they're under attack from 1093, which is more degrees than 360. I don't know if she understands how many degrees there are. Um, the, the city is completely ruined by the giant transformation. And here's my favourite part of the entire episode. The main gun fires, all the Zentradi die. Britai on the Zentradi ship, who was wondering why they haven't fired the main gun, is suddenly surprised that they fired the main gun. Yeah, he goes, what are, they, what are they doing? I think this is the only time where the Zentradi are just, like, actually Saturday morning cartoon villains in terms of just nonsensical being the bad guys who do stupid shit for no reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, as you say, like, these, these are my favourite. These guys are great. And, um, but this episode is not their strongest showing. And then what I find, speaking of jingoism, everybody cheers upon the massive destruction of life on the bridge. It cuts to them and they're in the park and the man co- a man comes over the PA speaker and says, we are so sorry that your town was destroyed, but we killed all the bad people. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry. And then and continue then, on. And then Rick is so inspired by everything getting fucked up that he's like, yeah, I'm going to enlist. USA. USA. (laughs) Well, actually, worse, it's full-on Japanese jingoism of, look what the Americans have done. They've bombed our city and destroyed our homes. Enlist today and kill them. I mean, did I say Americans? Uh, Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Which is actually, yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of media is like post-atomic bomb and this is definitely one of them. And, uh... It's going to be interesting going forward, like, looking at it from the idea of, like, you know, who is meant to be the USA. Because there are elements... This is the thing that really... I don't want to spoil things, but the Zentradi remind me of... And this may be completely wrong. Like, imperial army culture. Like, they're all, all they're doing is they're obsessed with conquest and war, and that's all they can do. So, 
It makes yeah. me wonder whether or not, in this metaphor, maybe the people on the SDF are like modern Japan slash United States, and the Zentradi are the are the old like imperialist Japanese. A hundred percent, which is why it's so jarring that the show opens with this very old Japan style. You know, defeat the invaders, enlist yeah. today, like straight up militarism. Yeah, so uh, it's it's th- there's a lot to unpack in this uh, this this can of worms. So I mix my metaphors there. Well, you know, somehow the worms have to get into the can, so presumably they're packed. Do we have a uh, do we have an email address yet? Uh did you make one? Oh, that was me, was it? Fuck. Um, okay. Back in the show. Um, so that's those three episodes. They There's one bad episode. I'm going to go out and say one bad episode. I, I think the idea of them getting stuck in the ship could have maybe squeezed into one episode. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it was two, like one episode squeezed into to two or something. Maybe. I think it's, it's sort of important character building, but considering that the character building is 80s misogyny and Rick being an asshole and that's supposed to be relatable, it, it's pretty hard to watch. And if, if you, you know... When we're on the internet, we see images and memes and culture. You're probably familiar with Giant Tuna. Giant Tuna is around on the internet. I'm, uh, it's interesting. Tuna fish. Such, tuna fish. It's interesting that such a shitty episode is like the... You know how in Alien... You know one of the iconic images of Alien is like Ripley like screaming and the alien right up against her face? Yeah. And the irony is that it's, it comes from one of the worst Alien films, Don't At Me. And I think it's the same with this episode. There's like giant tuna appears in one of the worst Macross episodes. Or it's, it episodes. is one of the most memorable because it's like the problem. The problem with Macross is Min May's character. Like, yeah, like the voice actor went on to be such annoying things as a cutesy tank. <laughs> yeah. Like Min May is sort of unbearable, and even even now watching it and doing everything in my power to give her the benefit of the doubt. The extremely boring and shitty mopey main main character and the annoying vapid love interest is not a good combination for a full episode. Mm-hmm.